0: Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time.
1: In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about Volcano, sun cream, and we have part two of our interview with Louise Mundy from HBBS Counselling.
2: Welcome one and all to The Kindness Project. I am joined today by two blokes with very short hair.
0: Is that... Is that your intro? Mm -hmm. Two blokes with very short hair. How long did that take to write? You know, I stopped
2: writing them after about 50.
0: Two blokes with very short hair. Um, Two blokes with eyes, ears, and a nose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Two blokes with five fingers. Oh, actually, you live in Norfolk, didn't you? So, yeah. Yeah, you, you. Yeah, but I'm not native Norfolk, so I don't have to see.
2: <laughs> well, look. I'm no stranger to the short earth club, but I'm not, yeah, exactly. I, don't even rival, I don't even rival you two.
0: I mean, I could grow my hair out. My hair does grow. Yeah. But not on a particular part of my head. Um. So... I you know potentially I could grow my hair out. you ever thought about growing your hair out for us? It'd look like a volcano though, wouldn't it? Yeah, and then a crater in the middle. It would. It, I could have a volcano that is like a brand new hairstyle, the volcano. Like I, I can imagine people grabbing volcanoing- a
2: small part of the skin red. <laughs>
0: yeah. I can imagine people going well no, you'd dye your hair red, wouldn't you? No. Or would you? It's would you dye small- your hair brown? It's the ball patch. No, oh, you dye in, uh, the inner ball patch red. <laughs> you dye the <laughs> <a> ball patch <laughs> red and then the uh, outside you'd have like a grey stony colour. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask our podcast listeners, <laughs> Mission One, if you'd like me to draw if you'd like to draw an image of uh of a volcano hairstyle <laughs> with uh, a brown like hair, hair color and then red as a bald patch. <laughs> Please feel free to do that. I'm like, oh, so to do that as well, Russ, I'll be totally honest did... with you. If I had time, I'd pop on Photoshop later and give you a Oh, it's rendition.
2: You know what would be really funny? If you just made the volcano out of your hair and then did that kid's science experiment?
0: Oh you'd... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a baking soda and the uh that? I'm baking soda on my bone pad? What are you two talking about? <laughs> It's a Wednesday morning. Is it Wednesday? Is I'm it? losing track of time. I think it's Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. No, it's not even a Thursday,
2: so it's
0: Wednesday. It's a Wednesday, Wednesday morning uh, as we're recording this, listeners. It'll be Thursday and, when you hear it. And, um, uh, it'll be Thursday when you hear it. And um, I've been asked, <laughs> eight o'clock in the morning, to put baking soda on me bald patch. I've always wondered, though. Do you have to put sun cream on your bald patch? you know what i should russ i should definitely put sun cream on my ball patch um but i don't i don't i am i am um i am foolish when it comes to um putting sun cream on because i can't go out in the sun and because i'm quite dark skinned anyway uh, uh i go out in the sun and um, go oh what don't need that now Listeners, I am not suggesting you do that. Right? Always, always wear sunscreen is is very good advice. Yes. Um. Uh, but I don't, uh, and I should. Do you, Raz? Well, put sunscreen on my bald patch. And look, don't rub it in. I know everybody knows you haven't got a bald patch, and I've got a bald patch. Oh yeah. Um. But do you put the sunscreen on? Uh. No. Never. Is that because you never go out? I've... <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> See no no. See I tan the same way that you do. Um, but one, you've been on an extra holiday this year, uh, and uh, sorry, you had a you had a month right in Europe. So did you? We hey, went bro.
0: No, I know, I know. But like, it's not like you've not like you've not gone anywhere, um, is it?
2: But you're a lot darker than I am at the moment. Yeah. Um.
0: And I wonder if that's because I just don't go outside. Maybe, 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 maybe that's the case. Ryan's checking his watch after, halfway through. Are oh, well, we keep you up, Ryan? I'm checking whether I've got a tan or not. Ah, right. Now, you, the way to do it is the watch tan line. Have you got a watch tan line? I haven't. I've got ring
2: tan lines. I, only waiting got the
0: watch. So, unofficial question in the podcast uh, is do you. Uh, listeners, um, wear sunscreen, and if what if so, what factor do you wear? Um, and are you like me, who's an absolute fool and doesn't wear it enough, um, or are you quite sensible when it comes to sunscreen? That right, might be the worst uh, unofficial question of the podcast I've ever asked. I think it's. Sorry, I could not uh, give that
2: one. I was busy checking where all my town lines are.
0: Um, it's just under my rings. Under your rings, yeah. And, and as, you, as, it, as, as, as it happens. Um, what's the best ten you've ever had? I don't
2: want the sun.
0: <laughs> Are you a vampire? Yeah. Are you a vampire? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's what quite the, weird. What's the best ten? You, have, have you been like sunbathing in a car park in Norwich? Right? So that's like an amazing tan? I, I get paranoid about the sun. And tan After I see something con Teddy about about moles and skin cancer, but the 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 time I did get a tan, quite a good tan, was when we was in Turkey, when it was very hot. That was twenty five years ago, right? Yeah. Well, i a, the, Our holiday next week will be oh, the yeah. one I've been on. Since since Turkey, so yeah, I, I mean, I've only been on a couple, right? So I won't I won't worry about that so. time. Long- How are you feeling about the holiday? Because because I saw so listeners, if you don't know, uh, Russ, I mean, if you if you've ever listened before, you know that Charlotte's my daughter, and Russ, uh, is is my carer. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, brother. I feel like sometimes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that would be possible, considering you live
0: two hours a Virtual carer. He's, he's my virtual carer. He, he, no, I mean, to be fair, Rose, you do care for me virtually, don't you? No, I, I'm more your PA than your carer. PA, yeah. Um, uh, but Rose is my brother, and we are going on a little trip, Rose. Can we tell our audience a little bit about that? Yeah, so I I was down back in the last year when Chris and me dad suggested that we go on holiday together. I was sceptical at first, but I said I'd give it a go. It's the only time I'm going to try it, so. (laughs) (laughs) What about if you enjoy it? Well, after after the abuse I've got building up to it, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. (laughs)
2: Is <laughs> this because they
0: keep calling you the whipping boy? <laughs> it's called banter, Russ. It's called banter. I I like a bit of banter. Have you got your little sailors outfit? I have. Oh my. You got you got a couple of yeah. guys. Oddly enough, when Daddy uh, when I found Daddy, I'll try and call him once a week. He keeps saying to me, get a pair of buggy smugglers. <laughs> so so, are you gonna? Are you gonna? Apparently, wear he, he's got a pair of bungee smugglers and a sailor's cap. Oh, you know what? That reminds me. I'm I'm off to our hotel tonight, and I think they've got the swimming pool. So, oh, I, bet, I bet I better pack my. I I um I like to swim. I don't swim as much at the minute because I've got um. Well, talking me a about, thing. I'm, I'm thinking of adding swimming to my my new health regime hundred percent swimming is really good where's your nearest pole uh dear room.
2: i thought he was just gonna say a lake
0: yeah exactly where's where's your nearest pool? i'm gonna just jump in and see i'm just gonna do that um but um i have found i used to wear like sort of big uh shorts um but the problem is like they just they 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 never stayed on, onrust oh, like, not what i always found about big shorts. When you get in the water, they tend to fill with air. Exactly, exactly. So I had to change my uh, swimming trunk regime to a quite tight lycra based. <laughs> Why are you doing that? For? I'm, not, I'm not like, it's not a fashion thing, Charlotte. I'm not like sort of doing it to. It was the lycra, I'm like, no. No one
2: was lycra rather than.
0: That's funny you say areas. that. No, cyclists we like we don't know. I was on Amazon. We're like wear Lycra. I was on Amazon the other day. Go on. All right. Uh, I see this like we're running suit. You know, <laughs> so- compression suit. Right. The leggings, the shorts, and the top. I bought myself once, and I've tried it on. It, it looks good nice amazing russ <laughs> you had a second momentary to think about that yeah so um i'm, I'm not going to take no pictures but it looks all right good um when when are you going have your first run i'm i'm not going running i am wanted it for the gym fair mm. enough yeah. fair enough um and, and what's it meant to do what is, there, is well, there it benefits? it enough. helps you regulate your your temperature better oh God. Better than sort of um, gym clubs. And, and as, a, as a, all our listeners are following your uh, health regime, how's it going? Yeah, it's not going so bad. I've lost nearly a stone now. Eh? Amazing. Nice. Well done, mate. Well done. I think when I got on the scouts this morning, it was 11 pounds four. Brilliant. That's really good. Well, well done, Ras. And I'm sure that uh, our listeners will be following your white uh, loss journey with interest. Um, let's come on to our uh, a visual question in the podcast, um, which uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a bit of chatter about this, which is uh, what is your favourite mug? Now. We will talk about this, but if you'd like to tell us what your favourite mug is, um, you can get in touch in the following ways.
2: You spoke to me and I had to burp right in that
0: moment. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry. If anybody accuses us of not being a professional podcast, (laughs) you're right. It's on him. You're right. (laughs) It's not on me. I don't burp you. I don't burp I don't start, I don't make comments like volcano heads, do I? (laughs) I I might your comments, but anyway. Yeah.
2: Um anyway, so on Twitter we're at Oliver Kindness. On Facebook, we've kept the kindness project into the search file. We should be the first thing to come up. Same with the Google machine thing, it's the kindness project podcast. If you just go www.thekindnessproject.co.uk, uh we should come up because that's the URL. Uh if you want to email us directly without going to the website first, it's OllotheKindness at dot UK. That's about it, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think if we've got anything else. I know we've got an Instagram, but it's not <laughs> as well the socials.
0: No, MySpace, place, Fridgery United, all that sort of stuff. No, none of that. Raz, we haven't set any uh, of that up, no? Grinder. No, no. Why are you obsession with grinder? I'm not obsessed <laughs> with grinder. I just I I I've got a friend. Um actually listen to the podcast, but I've got a friend. So do you, you want to tell the story? No. Um right, on that note, Russ, let's go to more safer ter- territory and let's talk about mugs. Who's your favorite mug?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what's your favorite mug?
0: I I like my Costa cups. You, you like know, a travel cup, yeah. Travel so you don't cup. you don't drink out of a mug, no? No, not out of a mug, no. I'll tell you what I'm loving at the minute. Tin mug. Old <laughs> fashioned. No, genuinely. I I I am finding that my morning coffee tastes a little bit better out of an old school tin tin mug. What's your favourite mug, Charlotte?
2: Oh. <laughs> See, I've got a lot of mugs. Um got my mug collection <laughs> you know my business branded mug collection
0: yeah charlotte's got an obsession with uh and again listeners if you'd like to help charlotte with this i'm sure she'd be more than welcome if you've got a business uh or um or brand that you'd like to promote uh, send charlotte the mug and we will be promoting it on the kindness project
2: yeah um there's
0: actually an instagram for it now <laughs> tell us about that uh
2: it's charlotte's mug of the week um i haven't started posting anything yet but i will um
0: because i just love branded mugs you'll have to send me the link i'll share it on the show notes
2: oh yeah
0: charlotte's mug of the week yeah
2: and i want to I've been thinking about maybe starting a podcast like Charlotte's Facts of the Week. I love you know, that. You know I do my articles, just like a podcast form of that.
0: Would you wanna, do you want to plug your articles as well? Would you oh, never do that on the podcast.
2: Cool. Uh, I have a website and I write stuff. Um, so one of my favourite ones to talk about is actually one of the earlier ones I did about two years ago now. Um, about the link between sort of invasion and um, the spread of disease and infection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Look, I started writing these mid-COVID. Some of it was gonna leak, um, and so it was
0: looking at. It sounds like quite a cathartic one. Do you yeah, some
2: of them are. Um, but it was sort of like the link between invasion and infection, and so how sort of the spread of stuff like colonization and stuff like that spread diseases throughout the world. So one, even one of the first recorded diseases was actually a consequence of the invasion of greece by the roman empire really yeah well i mean yeah. i mean
0: the aztecs and the, and the incas um are part of the contributing factor for them sort of uh spanish flow, yeah, brought spanish over by flow. The incas. yeah exactly Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: there was an island and it became sort of a holiday destination for colonizers and the colonizers were immune to the disease they were carrying and they moved into the island as sort of a holiday retreat, sort of like, um, and spread it to all the localers. Uh, islanders.
0: The, the what? <laughs>
2: the localers. The
0: localers. That's a new one. There's a new word.
2: Yeah. The I was locals. thinking islanders and locals at the same time, and they crossed over. um, And, like, it just... So there's a big connection between...
0: <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> Call me unprofessional. Uh, look at
0: that! We've we had a bourbon and <laughs> a sneeze on this podcast. We we love it love. On that note, um, uh, definitely check out uh Charlotte's um uh blogs. Yeah, they, they are amazing. Thursday, I, I remember. Uh, I remember. I remember. Uh, uh, going being away with Charlotte and traveling around Europe, and we're traveling to all these places, and um. Uh, late one night, Charlotte was uh, busy tapping on a keyboard and I went, what are you doing? And she just looked at me manically and went, I'm writing about spiders. Um, (laughs) So she she does take it seriously.
2: I I remember being on the train back and going, did you know, know. that flies can have 600 babies in a lifetime? Like- yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, that 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 is the sort of amazing fact <laughs> you can expect <laughs> on CharlotteDames.com. And on that note, as we're doing a bit of a self-promotion, let's talk about the kindness project book. Uh Rattles and I had a meeting with our publisher last week, rather didn't we? We did. Um, which went really well. Um and we have now. Um have we got a date, Russ, for the publishing? Yeah, 17th of November. So we are actually publishing the book on the 17th of November. Um please visit www.thekindnessproject.co.uk forward slash book. No? Uh yeah. So visit the kindnessproject.co.uk <laughs> and click on the link that says book. Click on the link that says book. We add you to our um, communication uh, list and you get exclusive stuff. You get loads of free bits um, uh, that we haven't decided what we're doing yet, Ross, have we? Um, but, but we will make sure that you get amply, amply rewarded for signing up, uh, as long as you get a copy of the book, that is. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, uh, and let's move on to the next part. now you know what i'm cutting about charlotte that's the one of the last times for a long time we're going to be doing that live
2: we're going to be recording one more episode
0: we are the penultimate time next time i promise
2: uh, sorry i got confused about the show format um uh
0: (laughs) that that is uh yeah that is because charlotte today uh as we record these last two uh podcasts, episodes is up to you Nick. we'll still record it we'll just have to uh, episode yeah i know yeah
2: um
0: Who's sad? Uh, I'm, I'm a bit sad you miss me of course I'm, i mean i'm definitely gonna miss <laughs> you um uh but i mean what will make you feel better is whipping russ on the boat <laughs> <and> as the <laughs> um... i'm not gonna whip russ on the boat woof, woof, woof. No, this is getting weird. Right. <laughs> Let's talk. As the format of this podcast is all about sharing stories, of people doing amazing stuff in the world. Let's do a bit of that instead of talking about whipping rats on a boat. Um, friends saved over a million gallons of paint from landfill by rescuing and remixing it to give it a new colour. Meet the friends who have saved more than one point zero five million gallons of paint from landfills by rescuing used cans, refilling and remixing them to give each one of them a new lease of life. Kat Hyde and Kate Moray had a passion and drive to make a difference by repurposing waste material while making money at the same time. Since settling on paint and co-founding Seagulls in 2004, the pair have collected around 300 tonnes of paint each year from the landfill. They have grown the company to employ 14 staff members who manage 10 volunteers in their English hometown of Leeds, Yorkshire. We started by just collecting half-used paintings in the back of our car, Kat said. The team then sorts the good and bad paint and re-blends with new colours requested by customers, all at an affordable price, 75% less than in the stores. We haven't heard of anyone recycling paint before, said, a 43-year-old cat. We were able to work with the local council to collect all the waste painting leads and recycle as much of it as we can. It's very labor-intensive to scrub all the paintings and re-blend colours, but we love it. In the past 18 years, we have diverted over 4 million litres of paint which would have caused 11.4 million tons of car- carbon. I've never heard of anybody recycling bait before of you. Have I you? Have. Yeah, I
2: think I've seen
0: these guys on Insta or something. Are they on Insta? Is that you know what? I need to get some Insta in my life. But the fact that I've deleted all social media apps off my phone no. now means that I'm not means <laughs> that I'm not seeing this stuff. I'll, I'll let Charlotte tell me. Um, the social enterprise says that in order to offset the that much co2 guess how many million trees would have had to be planted 9.2 million charlotte
2: um 11 million 9.2 and
0: 11 million the work that they've done to offset 11.4 million tons of carbon uh, 68 million trees would have had to be planted. So the work they're doing is amazing in terms of the sort of carbon offset. Um, the company also gives a lift to those of different backgrounds. Without their previous offenders, those who have struggled with their mental health, and young people who've been isolated. Uh, Seagulls Paint Store also runs decorating workshops and gets involved with art in their community. We want everyone to be able to de- decorate their homes. I love that idea. Mm. I love that idea. You know that, um, we were we were having a conversation before we jumped on the podcast this morning about um, collectivist culture mm. versus individualist culture, for us, and the fact that yeah, if we all did our little bit as a as a collective, we could have a huge impact, couldn't we? Yeah, um, I agree with that. Um, and it's really interesting. Well done, well done, you guys uh, for getting that done. Uh, next on the uh, on on the Kindest news uh, rotor is uh, two people from the Independence Most Inspirational People list. We're hoping we're we're going to get in touch with the uh, people on the list over the next couple of weeks or so, and we're hoping to make sure that we're in a position where we get them on. So look out for the interviews for some of these people uh, as we go on. But the first one I want to highlight is Gavin O'N. Gavin launched a bike recycling scheme during lockdown and has since fixed over 300 bikes across Yorkshire. Gavin's bike started when he realised his neighbours were about to throw away a neglected bike. I really don't like waste and couldn't see something like that going into the landfill. The initiative has raised more than £5,000 for cancer research and local charities and donated by it to Ukrainian refugees in the UK this February Gavin also launched a football team to raise money for food vouchers and to make sure families had presents at Christmas the project just means so much to me he says I feel that it's given me a purpose in life and I want to keep it going as well as I can so well done Gavin amazing work there uh, and the other person we want to showcase on the podcast is uh, uh, Ali Begg Having grown up, studied, and started his career in Southampton, British Pakistani Ali realised that the Pakistani community, although the area's largest ethnic group, uh, were often the lowest achievers. Determined to try and improve their opportunities and overcome barriers, Ali began volunteering at a local radio station for ethnic communities where he launched the station's first British Pakistani show, featuring health and welfare advice. They let him set up his own community uh, radio station, which aims to link and strengthen communities across the UK. The person who nominated Ali says, most of the vo- volunteers at the radio station have been refused training or volunteering at other radio stations. Thanks to Ali, those people have now got an opportunity. Love that, well done, uh, well done Ali, that's great work. Um, Let's move on to our interview. Louise Murdy is on the podcast talking about the amazing work she does. Let's listen to it. Now, now we talked a little bit about how technology has changed um, during the last couple of years because of the pandemic. Has the demand for counselling, the way you deliver it, has clearly changed, but has the demand for counselling changed since the pandemic? Tell me a bit about that. Um,
1: Not really. Okay. Okay, not in not in quantity of of referrals so we're probably um we're probably just about back at pre-COVID levels in terms of session delivery. Now we do a lot more work in terms of you know dealing with inquiries and people who phone looking for help and so on than just deliver individual counselling. But you know, as with all as all services and businesses, you have your you have your things that you can count, don't you? And we count we count the number of sessions, um, and because that's yeah, and that's how we use our grants. That's how we you know essentially monitor. We have to we have to um you know we get the income from the grants for the sessions we deliver so really you know that is important to us um that's how we generate income for central staff and so on so um I would say that the, the, the demand is there's peaks and troughs. It's quite seasonal. Um, it's always very quiet in August. It's always very quiet in December uh, in terms of new inquiries um, because people often make the decision of let's get Christmas out of the way. Let's have our holidays and see how we feel then and so on. Uh, so, uh, I suppose the
0: interesting thing about Christmas is for a lot of us, it can be quite a stressful time, can't it? And and they're, they're, yeah. I think the like the stress of that i, th- I yeah. think with christmas, christmas very, is really interesting isn't it yes
1: but uh, january we're very busy yeah. yeah yeah and and people say to us well i just wanted to get christmas out of the way or oh, oh, i thought after christmas i might feel different and so on so it and so on. but i think so so in terms of volume it hasn't um we try not to run with a waiting list It's generally between 10 and 20 but it you know it sort of when we were struggling to get operational after covid it did go up to about 70 but okay. that's kind of you know so we like to support people quite quickly um but what i would say is that it's the demands of the individual people or the severity of the situation that they're in or um you know the impact of prolonged isolation um that people are uh, that, that people are coming to us with more more serious mental health issues um, um, yeah. you know, so it's it's um you know uh, generally our you know, pre-covid are typical although I hesitate to use that word because it is about people but you know what there is there isn't another one that that does as well so our typical client would be somebody who was um you know sort of maybe bereaved six months ago um had sort of picked up the threads of real of normal life but not quite feeling themselves um maybe some complicated issue to do with them and and the person who died or you know something like that yeah and that's that, that that would have been our you know the bulk of our work those are the sorts of issues that we were supporting people with um as you know, there's a process of grief, and it's you know it's a sort of an, a, a sort of a shock stage, an acceptance stage, and, and and kind of an adjustment and moving forward in very simple terms. And they kind of it's quite normal. It's quite normal for people to get stuck on that somewhere. Maybe they're just having trouble picking things up and moving on. Maybe they're oh, having trouble. Is, you know,
0: is it is there a typical phase of of bereavement and grief? we get stuck on. So how, how, you know, is it is it is it of course the each stage is relatively it, similar. It, in it depends on. It,
1: it's all unique i mean it's, yeah. it's it's completely unique it, it depends on lots of factors it depends on the personality the relationship of the person who's died it de- you know it depends on the you know the relationship of the person who's who is grieving um so it it's I, I think it's it's normal to go through the cycle so with quite a lot of people who contact us we kind of say look you know it's a sort of we listen to what they have to say and we say look you know it's a it is a journey it will take some time and you know these are the warning signs but you know you're feeling you're feeling this acute pain for now um but you know like say it's a sort of you know come back to us if if it continues for you but but it's a process and you 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 need to experience this and that's quite normal so we do a lot of that normalizing but the um what we found with. sort of like post post covid lockdown um clients is often they've been bereaved in particularly traumatic circumstances so there are lots of stories out there of of people who died in hospitals um on their own or their relatives feel feel that they were on their own that people didn't get to see their say their goodbyes they didn't they weren't together at funerals and and all of those things so it's so those sorts of things can complicate a, a grieving
0: process. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, you think about the process of uh, uh, going to a funeral and c- celebrating somebody's life, or, or during, uh, and uh, my mum passed away in 2019, and part of my grieving process, even though it isn't over, you know, it, you know that that continues. I think part of the process, Louise, is is was having the opportunity to and, and funerals are really interesting and I'm, I'm sure that you know what your work with sort of bereaved clients um, uh, it, 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 it provides you an insight into this but I find funerals interesting because of the fact that I look at my mum's funeral it was all about you know celebrating her life and there was a lot of laughter actually hmm. about the stories we told about her life but that um that creating those memories and reminding ourselves of the stories was a really important part of the grieving process for me now if you take that opportunity to grieve away and share that with other people i think part of the part of the challenge of covid is that you know we couldn't do it right you know in certain parts of covid we Uh -uh. couldn't do that element
1: and i think that you know people are comforted by you know the last time they saw someone about the fact that you know it, or, or or even the smallest details and and there's so much that people don't know isn't there about yeah. about other yeah. people's final hours and so on in that situation and then there's a funeral side to it and so on but then also as well there's the, the period of I think it's isolation too because a lot yeah. of people didn't have their normal support networks. They weren't, they, you know, they weren't hugging their neighbours. They were it was just, uh, lots of things were missing. Um, yeah. so not only, not only have people been bereaved or, you know, had significant loss, but it's been compounded because maybe there's been other things as well. Maybe they've been yeah. furloughed and not at work. Now they're worried about whether or not they can go back to work. Um, maybe somebody else has died as well. Um, yeah. So there's oh, additional
0: yeah. elements that have exactly. created
1: additional so, stress. So, yeah. so, so whereas before, we, you know, it was sort of uh, that we were supporting a wide range of people, and but then it was only a very small minority that we would say were in acute need. Sure. But now it's by far That's the majority. It's, it's the majority of people because <laughs> it, it, yeah, they've just not had that normal support network and they've not gone through... You know, as you say, funerals and and all of those processes yeah. usually support people.
0: Um, that's, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a great believer in you know uh, stories being a really powerful way to explain the impact of people's work. So, what story do you think best describes the work you do?
1: right well this is a bit of a tricky one to be honest um and i've given this a lot of thought because the the work that we do is confidential
2: yeah
1: i can't really um and it wouldn't be right and i wouldn't not even consider it. i can't say to you it's not as if we have delivered another service and i can say to you yeah you know like say somebody ordered a wardrobe and we delivered it and they were really pleased with it and so on it's not it's just not that sort of thing um, but what I can do is I can give you some scenarios of of the sorts of things that people say to us when they come in, when they get in touch with us, yeah? oh. and the sorts of things that they say at the end. Yeah, I did consider putting together a, a blended picture of different things from different people, but. Um, and i'm sure a lot of local people listen to this and then immediately they put two and two together and they think oh i know a family like that and yeah i mean
0: 100 100 and
1: and even in my role as service manager as a non-counselor i don't have access to that level of detail we do anonymized case studies and things like that so but what i can tell you because this is what's shared with me is the sorts of things that people say when they get in touch Okay. So it's, I've mentioned a few of them already, really. I think that they um, sometimes people, they would say, I feel like I'm going mad. I can't remember when I get into the shop. I can't remember what I'm supposed to be buying. I keep dropping things. I keep bursting into tears. Um, I'm struggling to get out of bed. I, um, you know, my work's really gone downhill. I can't concentrate. I can't concentrate at school. Um, I can't concentrate at work. Um, My friends all think I'm crazy. They've all been really lovely to me. And now they're just trying to avoid me. I feel like they're avoiding me because I'm not joining in with what I usually join in with. Um, I've got you know I'm not enjoying anything all the things I used to do just don't give me any pleasure whatsoever I just feel like no one understands me my husband you know my husband just thinks that I'm you know an emotional you know and I'm an emotional wreck and you know I've got he doesn't I can't he won't, he doesn't understand and you know and I'm yeah you know, my children know there's something wrong but you know it's just like life is just it's just not working for me yeah. and um and then they would uh, often talk about the specific nature of a bereavement and then go into details of it um but in a way that's very um not incoherent but very jumbled they talk about the funeral one minute and then talk about the last time they saw the person another then in the middle of that they might say and you know something that someone else has said that they thought was unfeeling and and, and and generally just not coping. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's that that sort of scenario. And it and, and you get those sorts of comments from everyone at every age. Um, you know, struggle and and it's all about isolation, about relationships and so on. And what account, what counselling is able to do is kind of unpick all of that. The discussion is led by the counsellor, um, but they would look at different aspects of 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 their of the client's life uh, and ask them to explain things. You know, why sort of like so? How does that come about? So why do you feel that? So why do you think they might have said that? You know what could you say to them? What would you say to them now if they were here now? And you know those sorts of things. Um, and then hopefully by kind of unpacking it, and it's almost like taking the, the lid off the box, really, that they explore um, explore any issue that they want to. But the counsellor will also be aware of things they clearly don't want to talk about. Yeah. And and as uh, as appropriate, if appropriate, we'll address those issues as well. So you know, maybe something goes back to childhood. Um, maybe something goes back to um you know another incident in their in their lives where they've sort of got a particular mindset about a particular person or a particular issue. but it's yeah. kind of it's um it's unpacking it, yeah, yeah, yeah and um and it's also about equipping people, as I said before with the language and the strategies for dealing with it going forwards.
0: Yeah. So, so what? So, uh, I completely get that. So, some, some, somebody comes along. They're experiencing, um, uh, you know. Symptoms is probably the, the wrong the wrong word for it, but they're experiencing sort of these things where they're just complete dis- dissatisfied with with the way their their life is going. What's the what's the, I suppose I suppose in my head, wait, so this this is the this is the sort of bit I've got in my head. Mental and again, all the conversations we have on the podcast about it, mental health is a lifelong. Uh, 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 thing that we've got to make sure we maintain and uh, you know and there, there's a, there's always elements where we are you know probably a bit more off kilter at times and yeah. then more in balance at times but what's the aim of the counts counseling like in terms of when people stop using your service well, okay. one. Yeah. And as you, as yeah. you say what, what do they what do they say that you know you're doing the job in the right way yeah.
1: OK, yes. Yeah, so well, I think the thing is, is that we we work as a short term intervention. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we are looking at not um, not really telling people what to do or um, making decisions for them or making them dependent on us. It's about yeah. empowerment of the individual. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: So sometimes, as you know, somebody saying something like, um, so why do you think they said that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we could all do with that every now and then couldn't we or something like that so it's a bit it, it's its about looking at things from different different perspectives
0: yes 100%. Yeah? Yeah.
1: and then you know if you're talking about a relationship breakdown and then saying well you know how would you explain that you know say to me what you want to say to them yeah. yeah, and it's a bit yeah. like, well, you know, where do you think that conversation would go? Is that something, you know, it, or you know, what other or what other things could you say, and and so on? So it's about empowerment as much yeah. as yeah, yeah. Um, and there, are, I mean, in a in a sort of a linear fashion, people would make a referral because they say, uh, or we get in touch and say, I'm not coping. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they would have four or five things that they would articulate as being, this is not working for me. Mm. Okay. So the aim would be to, to, dis, to, to work with these clients or, you know, to listen to them, to ask some questions, to talk to them so that they would be at a point of almost coming back to you and saying, well, you know, I said, I couldn't do this. This wasn't working. I wasn't getting never,
0: on never made progress.
1: Actually, yeah. They actually go, do you know what? Uh, you know things have moved on I've spoken to them I've said this and so on and and then say you know I, I um I went out last night and and I really enjoyed it and I didn't feel guilty for enjoying it and so so that's that's the sign. And that's
0: the fascinating yeah. thing isn't yeah, it exactly. you know how often is it was now it's than, than it than it actually yeah. is when we take that action. Really interesting. Yeah,
1: exactly. So the counselor would really make that professional decision of you've made a lot of, you know, you've you've been on a journey, you've made a lot of progress, and you know, you you know, you're telling me you're coping better. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. that actually this particular intervention, this support, this way of working with you, you know, is 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 coming to an end. Right. Now. And then they would have a you'd have a sort of like a goodbye session where you kind of pull the whole things to a close and so on and then that would be the end of the counseling but it doesn't mean that somebody wouldn't come back it yeah, wouldn't be that yeah. something else didn't happen a week six weeks six years down the line and they're a bit like oh I feel I like I'm going extra, back." Um, yeah yeah so there is that so it's empowering them as well to to seek help in the future um but then having said that sometimes there are issues that clients aren't ready to talk about yeah and the counsellor may have the dialogue at the end of the counselling, which is a bit like we've gone as far as we can for now.
2: Yeah, yes. yeah.
1: And, and that's about empowerment, isn't it? It's like, I've taken you, we've, we've gone together as far as we can now. You need to live a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah but and you can come back if you need to. And so, so and that's another scenario of, of, of a way so, to bring about an ending.
0: So I suppose there's two elements, isn't there? Number one is unpacking some of the challenges somebody's facing yes. and supporting them with those specific challenges. But as you say, there's a lot of what are the tools that you yes. can potentially use to maintain a more positive, you know? Uh, uh, and I'm not saying positivity is always the the, the right answer, but have a healthier Mindset and framework, yeah, to, or, to,
1: to or, or, or an understanding of what's happened to you, how you got yeah. into this and you got into, and maybe how you could have stopped that happening. Yeah, yeah, and, so and it's those sort of things that are a bit like, oh, that's the warning, you know. We've all got our, I think, and this is where physical and mental health can, you know, is so different and it doesn't need to be. I think if you did too much running you would know and you'd be a bit like, oh that was a bit far yeah, you'd
0: rest, today. wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, that was a bit far today. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have a couple of days off. Or yeah, you and know, so on. Or yeah, you know, and, and you would do that. Um and it's really the same with mental health that we've all got our warning signals. Um mine is that i lose interest in preparing food for the family it's a really bizarre thing if i'm really swamped if i'm really swamped i'm a bit like oh what's for dinner oh, yeah whereas in, if i'm in a good place i can get my head around shopping and cooking it's the really it's one of the yeah right. just, so but we we're not as good i think generally at spotting those signs in ourselves yeah, and yeah. what
0: what 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 tools? I mean, and again, if you're not a chef, please don't. But what tools do you use personally? If you get into that position, what 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 what's the sort of knowing what you know about counselling and what, yeah. even though you're not a practitioner but working in that field, what do you do to go right? Actually, I need to make some change. What tools do you use? Um,
1: well, pre-lockdown, I'd have said it was time with friends or yeah, yeah or sociable sport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in lockdown, I learned that it was time by myself. Yeah. So a long walk. Um, a long walk is a very good way to sort of process. Yeah,
0: that. The time in nature but is amazing. By yourself.
1: By yourself. Yeah. So that's that's fabulous. I also have a a moment of clarity. Um, some mornings in that in between wake before you're fully awake stage that's often where i wake up with solutions and that's sometimes rather than leaping out of bed yeah to spend that extra that extra 10 minutes just half awake half asleep that's when i that's a good time for me for for addressing things bizarrely i don't know quite how that works i have my best ideas then so
0: Um, so uh, so i'll share mine so so at least uh, uh at least i've have, have got a few ideas potentially yes so my one i mean exercise for me is is a big one so as you say balance um in exercise is really important but i find that i am definitely more um uh less balanced mentally if i don't exercise so exercise for me is, is, is really important um but the one that the one that gets me, and I'm 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 trying to be a bit more consistent about this more recently, is two. So it's number one uh, is gratitude. So number like I spend a, a bit of time in the morning just going right. Look, you know and, and again, if we're having this conversation, we're on a podcast in a relatively wealthy part of the world. Where there's way too much to be grateful for. Um, but interestingly, you know, uh, I've got I've got a lot more to be grateful. For than most people so gratitude helps me because uh effectively remembering what opportunities i've got another one to contribute to the world but also uh in terms of the opportunities i've been given is really helpful and then uh, and again it's it's an interesting one because even though i host a podcast called the kindness project i sometimes need to remind myself that i need to be a bit kinder so what i've started to do and it's really interesting is just send Every morning, three messages to to other people, just saying thanks, or just saying I really enjoyed meeting. Or and that really like <laughs> that helps my own positive health <laughs> because it's like just a, and like yeah. no agenda, no agenda. And, and again, it's one of those things where I say no agenda. I'm sending it because I know it makes me feel better tonight. But hopefully, it brightens yeah. up their day as well. Yeah. So that, that, definitely that. I, it's an interesting one because I'm a, I'm an extrovert, but I'm also quite introspective. So like the spending time on my own, reading is my big one. Um, but if I, I find if I do too much of that, I, I then don't get the balance in the other areas, but gratitude and, and kindness are the two things that, and, and health is are the three things that, that, that make me feel better. So that was part two of Louise's interview. Uh, Charlotte's ready to mention the fact that.
2: Tis the end of another podcast, but the end is never truly end. Yes, no? Uh,
0: yes. And did we have any answers for this week's question in the podcast? We haven't. Oh, we haven't. Oh, what a shame. So we're going to carry on uh, last week's question in the podcast. Uh, to make sure that we can um, that, that, that we can carry on what the last the question? last week's question of the podcast was and I'm surprised we didn't get a, a loads of um, answers on this listeners is um uh, if you had a talk show who, who would you have on first? Um, so let us know um, that and what's your favorite mark are the two uh, questions we're going to ask. Uh, have a lovely day and we'll see you soon on the next episode of The Kindness Project. Bye. Bye.